Welcome back. It's episode number 62 Cowboy Shit with Ted and the uh, the TikTok Meow Boy, Wacy Anderson. We're back. Yeah. Getting yeah. the TikTok Meow Boy. That's the best way to describe myself. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's your deal now, hey? Like like when this comes out of like when we get done with this quarantine business, you'll be you'll be TikTok famous, hey? Hopefully, that's the goal. Maybe just I mean, with your friends. Honestly, okay. honestly though, like looking at it, like I'm not really like hell bent on getting famous and just as long as i make my friends and people who follow me laugh that's all that matters yeah i guess that's yeah uh, that's all that's cool still i i have chuckled a it's been it's been, pre- it's been pretty cool for like like i get messages from people like asking when i'll be posting a video or like they say that they're like they're my, my videos make them laugh and they look forward to it and especially during this time it's kind of cool to be able to make people laugh yeah that's uh that's great oh, I'm, I'm happy yeah. for you i'm i'm glad that and it's funny and it's, it's fun for me to too because i kind of it's, it's a cool platform because i kind of show like my like goofier kind of quirky side, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any like uh TikTok sponsorships coming in coming your way so far? Or like uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Looking? I haven't had anybody re- haven't anybody reach out to me so far, but no. I mean I'd always be open to it. If someone wants to collaborate on some stuff, I could do some something. Hey, you never know. Could uh could you happen. Never know. never know. Yeah, buddy. What else you been doing no, during the quarantine? <laughs> Uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm in the last week and a half of my school semester. So I've got a couple of presentations and assignments to get done yeah. quizzes and then roll on into finals. And that'll be that we'll be done for the semester. So, and then you just got kinda, the summer kinda, off or you well, got actually, something. I, I, I had a on. job interview with Pepsi, the Pepsi the other day. So I might have some summer work lined up. Maybe with Pepsi. If I get into, if I get into a bind yet. Okay. So. Well, right on. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, how are you? How's things been at at HQ Northwest Division? Uh, Northwest Division. Well, we've been sitting outside in the sun lately. When it's sunny that's in the backyard good. in the morning. Yeah, that's been a, a big highlight. You know, uh, getting outside, mm-hmm. walking the dog mm-hmm. uh, on the daily, getting uh, yeah. getting up in the morning, getting some workout done too. You know, haven't done. Uh, I was getting a little. I was getting a little soft the last couple of years. Yeah. in the last quite a while because I haven't been doing very much. So. Been yeah, in the we basement. haven't really been doing stuff that requires us to be athletes anymore. No, no, there's no hockey, so I've got to trick myself into sweating another way. I was very glad to see <laughs> Jay and Dan back on the tube this week, though. That was kind of a friendly. Uh, oh, cool! Couple of faces. That. That's awesome. They were back. Those guys are funny. Watched them yeah. uh, last night, so that's good to see. Those guys are back. Uh, they're doing the show from home, but that was, you know, I like I like watching those guys. They're they're. They're yeah, they're fun. they're funny guys. Like if you're a sports fan in Canada and you don't know who Jay and Dan are, you're missing out. Yeah, something's wrong. I have a question. Who do you think's better, Jay and Dan or Tim and Sid? Jay and Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Tim and Sid, question. but I like Jay and Dan better. I don't really like Sid. You don't like Sid? Hmm. Yeah, some of his some of his takes on Twitter are just not my favorite. He says yeah. dumb things. I don't know. Everybody has some goofy stuff sometimes, I suppose. But that's but, true. But that's true. Yeah, I definitely am a big fan of Jay and Dan. I'm not like I'm not much of a afternoon TV guy, to be honest. Uh, yeah, fair enough. With with Sid and Tim and Sid, because they're, they're they're like the 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 3 p.m. our time, and usually I like want to be working at that time busy. of the day. Yeah, guys, busy. Usually, you know, like there was there were times where I'd watch those guys here and there, but yeah, not a big afternoon TV, not a big not a, not a, not a big daytime TV fan. I will say that, you know. So, yeah, no, I feel you, man. If you like the view, you, yeah. you'll probably like Tim and Sid. Or Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, you know Ellen, Doctor Phil, 
What else? The Jerry Springer. Right. Yeah, The Price is Right. Jerry Springer. Yeah. Maury. Those were good. Those shows were funny, though. Just like how ridiculous it was. I did like, like The, the Price whole, is Right. It's kind of like the whole, t- like when it comes to like Maury and Jerry Springer, it's kind of like the whole Tiger King thing where it's like you have to like check yourself. And like, this is actually like real people. Would you, would you rather like go on Jerry Springer or Judge Judy? If you had to be on one, uh, like you're forced Jerry into Springer. it. I'd say Jerry Springer. I don't, I don't think your story is, is, is Jerry Springer enough? I could see you like. Well, no, but like no, but so you'd have to have a story that's worthy <laughs> for Jerry Springer to go on it. Yeah. So I mean, I would like. I'd rather because like Judge Judy, you're getting roasted by her. No, there's no whereas, way around like, you it. Can hey? do, you can do some roasting back on Jerry Springer, whereas you can't roast Judge Judy. She'll just toast you and say, "See you later, buddy." There's just so many like trashy fights on Jerry Springer. Though. Okay, here's a here's a better comparison for <laughs> for that too. I would you rather go on Jerry Springer or Doctor Phil? Um. Oh, but Dr. Phil's going to learn on you a little bit. He's going to be like, now here's the deal, son. You got to... He's funny. <laughs> I, I'm i not yeah. sure. That's that's t- that's a better that's a better comparison. That's a better would you rather, yeah. Yeah. Or like, or you, well, you could compare, what, Judge Judy to like... Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or how about game shows? What would you rather be on Price is Right or Wheel of Fortune? Um, I think Price is Right would involve less skill. What Am I wrong or right? Cause like mm, in a sense, so because we are fortunate, you got like no more words. blind. Price is right, it's more blind luck, I guess, too. Eh? Yeah, it's more luck. A lot, of, a lot of people, you're just guessing like the numbers. Yeah, got no idea That's what fair. stuff's priced at. What about okay? How about Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? Well, I think Wheel of Fortune I'd be better at because it's easier than Jeopardy. Jeopardy, you got to be pretty swift, I think. I don't, I don't think I'd do I like, so I, like wa- I like watching Jeopardy. It's fun. I like watching it. Yeah, yeah. What have you been your best TV moments uh, in the quarantine? I've been. I've watched a little bit of the uh, masks. The masked singer, just the Scotia. Um, I've singer. watched. I've recently started watching the uh, the Marvel movies in chronological order. Oh, like the whole like all after all twenty two, like we talked about it. Oh, yeah, now yeah. you're doing it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm on. I just made it through Thor last night before bed. So. How many? How many of the twenty two are you into so far? Where are you at? Uh, let's see. I have a photo of it right here. So let me pull it up. Yeah. I have got to one, two, three, four, five, six. So when are you watching these? Like before you go to sleep or? Yeah, before I go to bed. Like the one thing, this the whole the quarantine's been fairly hard on my sleep schedule. Just kind of like I'm, I'm not yeah. as active as I was. Yeah. So I'm up till like one o'clock each night. So I'll like start a movie and like just try and like put my phone to the side and just wind down a bit, mm-hmm. just to get away from my phone. And then yeah, so I watch those. Watch one before bed, or if I just get sick of doing schoolwork or whatever i just take a break and watch a movie for a bit okay but yeah so that i've started that and then i mean if this drags on any further i'll probably i was because i was tossed up between game of thrones and um marvel so then i went marvel just so i had never actually watched them in like order before yeah and then other than that tv stuff i talked about i watched tiger king and other than that i haven't really watched too much tv okay we are uh... the mass singer we did all four of the Avengers movies, just the main, the main four. And then mm-hmm. we did, uh, we're on Star Wars. We're on number five. The Empire Strikes nice. Back. We're on number five. Yeah. How was episode three? That's my favorite Star Wars. Number uh, three? I liked it. Movie. I like, I've liked them all so far. It was kind of tough to it's go cool backwards, to though, to go like back to the 70s after after watching yeah, like new ones. It's like, oh, man, these are rough looking. Yeah, it's tough to watching backwards. like the lightsaber battles in Revenge of the Sith, and then you see the how crappy it is in the old movies. But it yeah, is, it's, it's, but it was like 30, 20, 20 years before. But yeah, uh, for sure. 
I just it's cool when you watch them in order that's how everything ties together and you see like I don't know like my favorite character is Anakin you see like his character arc throughout the show even the first three yeah. episodes it's crazy I'm definitely glad we went one to you know go going in the order of the movies mm-hmm. I'm glad we went that what, way you should have you should have watched Rogue One in between three and four I think it was oh really that's where it fits yeah yeah uh, it, yeah because they because in Rogue One they like they find the plans for the Death Star okay i see fair enough mm-hmm. fair enough well uh yeah so we're number five for you. we're number five on that we got a ways to go and then we're gonna do yeah, you're uh, like just over half yeah we're getting getting through it uh subscribe to nice. disney plus i think i'm getting charged for it uh on the eighth of this Good month. movie on disney plus onward onward okay we'll uh take it yeah in. chris chris pratt and tom holland are the voices take it into consideration it's a great show um what else yeah we've been doing that and uh watching some old videos i found my old game boys i knew i had them kicking around oh, really that's cool that's yeah cool. yeah so i ordered a charger for one and i might get some more games for it just to well we recently uh, uh we they recently started they all a, still a, work. A, mo- a mobile mo- uh, mario kart league yeah on the phone i was on the app store and saw that there was mario kart tour so we definitely got into that and we've been having some yeah. uh some matches yeah, that's pretty fun when they all got together and did the video chat and played pretty that was a pretty lit saturday night you know instead of the battle of alberta we had the battle of mario kart on zoom yeah so if you're a mario it's, kart it's so fan good. you can play eight at a time hook us up hit us up if you want to play yeah we'll we'll kick your ass maybe it's kind of a sh- shit show but it's fun it's fun so yeah yeah hope everybody's doing good out there hope uh you're thanks for still tuning into the pod uh hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and staying home whatnot we'll uh get back with an interview our interview after this we've got uh mr rob bell on the show today we've it's a guy that's kind of we haven't heard heard from or, or seen much of lately anyways yeah no it's it's crazy it's it's what we talked in the interview or we what we talked about it before off off the air was how he was like such a big hero for both of us and it's kind of a guy we never really had any contact with growing up so it's kind of neat to actually just have a conversation with him mm-hmm. yeah so that's coming up after this thanks for listening to cowboy shit with ted and wacy This is episode 62 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey, and our guest today is a three-time Canadian champion, three-time NFR qualifier, and he made two trips to the PBR World Finals. Originally from Houston, B.C., now making his home in Louisiana, Mr. Rob Bell. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. So how long have you been living that that way now? You're in, which town exactly are you in in Louisiana? I live in Stonewall, Louisiana, which is just outside of Shreveport. I've been down here since about '05. My wife's from Freeport. And- okay, where where did you meet her? Because you, I've noticed you're in your uh, in your like looking back at Pro Bowl stats. There were you spent a lot of time in the Southeast at a lot of PBR events. You must have met her kind of that way, or or how did it happen? Yeah, well, good old uh, romantic story. Met her at the bar when I was in Shreveport for the PBR in '04, and uh, things just kind of clicked. She'd, she'd never been to a bull riding before, so the next day I brought her to the bull riding and kind of, we just clicked and uh, she's been putting up with me ever since. 
And that was 05. So what year did you guys get married? Well, that was in 04 when we met. We got married in 05. Oh, okay. I see. It could be a romance novel. Pretty much. Yeah. Modern, modern day romance novel. <laughs> exactly. So when you, uh, now you've got two kids, uh, Colin and Hayden, and they, what age are they now? Colin is 14 and Hayden is 10. Now, Colin, he was he was actually an identical twin, and he was they were born three months early, and uh, we lost his little brother, and uh, so he was a sick little kid for a few years there, but he's outgrown most of that now. He's a five-time state wrestling champion. Five times, that's and, uh, and that's like must be middle school to high school. That's that's a lot of years already. Yeah, he. Uh, He'll be a freshman next year, I guess. He he's been he's been all over the country, wrestling in Pennsylvania, Iowa. I feel like I'm rodeoing again, taking him to wrestling tournaments. I guess, and you'd be on the, you'd be on the road. You wouldn't be flying to those kind of things either, would you? Well, uh, a little over a year ago, when I was taking him to a tournament in uh, Iowa, I stopped off at the first day. At the end of the first day, I stopped off at a friend of mine, Willie Rop full bull rider up in northern Missouri and I stepped out of the truck and I was having trouble walking. I was kind of in the beginning stages of getting diagnosed with MS and woke up the next day and I was blind and I couldn't walk. Holy shit. And uh, so there I was 10 hours away from home and blind and couldn't walk. It was a good thing I had another 18-year-old kid with me and he took over the wheel. Um, But uh, so... Now, I've stuck him on a couple airplanes to fly him to some tournaments and stuff because I don't feel comfortable leaving by myself because I never know when stuff like that's going to set in on me anymore. Was there any warning that that was happening or how, how did it how did it come about? What, what causes it? A couple weeks before, my face went numb and I went to the doctor and they was run a bunch of tests and they, they thought I had MS, but they... You know, it was going to take some time to get the results back. And then uh, when that happened, it uh, when I got back, I got my results, and it was confirmed. And, and so it kind of screwed me up for a while. I needed that cane for a good bit, and I couldn't see for a couple weeks. And But eyesight has come back, and I get around pretty good now, just kind of trying to live my life without letting it slow me down too much. Well, and looking at your, like, you're, you're 41 this year, is that right, or 42? Uh. 41. I was going to say, I'll be 42 in August. So, geez, that, you're not very old to get to have MS and for it to hurt you like that. That's wow. hit you young. They, they actually say it's usually diagnosed between 20 and 40. Oh, I really? was 40 when I got diagnosed. So. Oh, wow. And uh, really, my, my mom got diagnosed about the same time, too. So it's a, is it a hereditary thing? Not, well, they say... If you have it, your kids are twice as likely to get it, but it's not hereditary. They don't know what causes it. They, I don't know. It's just kind of a stupid disease that sucks. The only other person I think I know that has that is a guy that you spent a lot of time with. Uh, it was Chad Piggin. Yeah, my, yeah, my old roommate. Yeah. You know, it, it's a rare, rare disease, and here I am with my mom and my old roommate that both have it. Both have it, yeah. What all do they do they do they do for it, Rob? Well, I I just take a pill every day, and uh, it doesn't really help with the symptoms. It's just supposed to slow it down, and uh, you know it's supposed to. It's just kind of a trial and error. There's only there's only a few medicines you can take, and you try one. If it works, you stick with it. If it doesn't work, you try another one. And, and so far, mine seems to be working. 
Um, so uh, the, only, the only downside of it right now with this coronavirus, it puts me in the high-risk category of medicine. So uh, I'm sheltered in place with the, with the kids at the house here and being teacher Rob. Well, and you, uh, you likely haven't left the house since this all started happening. And, and you, you mentioned Louisiana is one of the, one of the hotspots in the states as well. Yeah, there. I just looked at the numbers this morning. Uh, I think it's like fifty-two hundred cases in Louisiana. Uh, there's, I think, four and a half million people here. So we're almost caught up to Canada and don't have near as many people. It's wow. Louisiana is getting to be one of the hot spots, and. It's just we'll see what happens. I'll stay here at the house and hopefully make it through it. Are you are you venturing very far away right now, or going outside much, or is it pretty much stuck inside at this point? Well, no, I live in a in a small neighborhood. There's about twenty five houses, and we got a a stock pond that we can go out there and go fishing. And you know, we've been we've been outside a lot. Kids been in the pool a little bit. It's been pretty nice lately, so. I'm just, uh, I haven't left the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And, and won't for a while. It doesn't seem like either. Like we'll be, we're all kind of stuck pretty close to home for the next, it's kind of an indefinite amount of time right now. It's kind of the whole month of April. It looks like right now, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, every day we got 500 more cases in the state and, uh, I, I just, I don't know what they're going to do to end it. I mean, in my, in my mind, they, they should just quarantine all the high-risk people and let other people that, I don't know, let everyone else get it that thinks they want to survive. <laughs> yeah. All hide up because it's ruining a lot of people's lives. Oh, definitely. Well, and how has it affected you work-wise? You said you had you were been laid off. Yeah, I got laid off a couple of weeks ago. Just uh, I work in the oil field as an inspector and was supposed to start a job of seven and a half miles, a 30-inch pipeline, and they just pushed it back because of the whole uncertainty the combination of the oil market oil gas markets and and the coronavirus they just pushed it back indefinitely so we don't have any work right now until things level off i guess yeah i know alberta's been kind of in the same boat for the last couple of years with the oil field so but we've been doing pretty good here hmm. what uh, i want to go back to uh talk about some some of your bull riding career to uh I just want to, I want to go into that a little bit, tell a couple stories and kind of talk about what it was like. And I mean, you're one of uh, only a few people in Canada to ever win three Canadian titles and uh, made the NFR three times. There's only been a few guys to make it three or more times. Um, we have you on our list as number five of the greatest ever from Canada. You're number, you're fifth place. Um, I just want to talk about some highlights and some some of the kind of the, the stories along the way, you know, maybe going to the Olympics in 2002. Um, I just want to, I want to talk about it and get to know, get to know the story a bit. Well, I know one story about the three Canadian titles that always sticks in my head is, uh, when, let's see, I think it was in, uh, 99 or no, it was 2000. Wade Joel, I won my second Canadian title and Wade Joel, he'd come up to me at the banquet and, uh, shook my hand and he said congratulations rob he said you know what you win one canadian title and you know okay maybe you had a good year you made true good and you know you got lucky you know but hey you're a canadian champ you win two you're the real deal you know congratulations no one can say it was a fluke and he said you win three i'm gonna kick your ass 
because <laughs> Wade had two. And you know what? After I won my third one, I don't think I've seen them since. I'm going to have to watch myself next time I see <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, I guess going from uh, from a fellow BC guy, that that made the difference on you know on on putting him sixth and you fifth, two BC guys, and then you've got <laughs> Daryl first. That made the difference of that one title. Yeah, well, I I look at that list, and I know I remember when Ted called me and asked for my opinion on who I thought was the best, and that that was Daryl. I think everyone would probably vote him number one, but the the rest of that list, I mean, you could put anyone ahead of anyone. There's there's some good guys on that list, and you know, some sometimes things go your way, and sometimes they don't. But all those guys on that list are great bull riders in my mind do you think we got the the points breakdown right yeah i mean it, it's kind of one that when you're when you're comparing different generations and it it's so hard to compare you know how do you put one guy ahead of the other you know i mean it's i think it was i think it was pretty good i mean it it made sense it uh like i say you go around in circles a hundred times on that one. Oh yeah absolutely well so uh what would be one of the highlights, like one of the one of the highlights of your career on the bull riding side of things? Was it would it be the Olympics or would it be uh, the ninety three and a half on Slick Willie and and Raleigh to win the the Built for a Tough Series event at the time or Bud Light Cup event at the time or would it be you know I'm I'm wondering what it would, what it would be. I mean, it's probably one of the coolest feelings that I ever had was the first time I rode in the Grand Entry at the NFR. And you ride in there and just everyone goes crazy. That was probably one of the coolest feelings. You know, winning my first Canadian title was pretty special. The bull I had in the last round was a bull I'd been on three times before, and I don't think I rode them three jumps combined. Short fuse, Harvey Northcott. And uh, I just had to ride them to win. I think I was the last guy out, and I actually rode them. <laughs> <laughs> um that one was pretty special. Uh, it, it's the one ride that always sticks out in my mind is my favorite was Salinas in 2001. Okay. I, uh, I was in Cheyenne the night before the short round in Salinas. And back then people didn't have cell phones and everything. So I was in the rodeo office in Cheyenne and the rodeo secretary was calling the rodeo secretary in Salinas to find out who made the short round. And uh, she told me I made it. I think I was only 80 points or something on my first bull. She said, I made it. And she said, do you want to know what you got? I said, well, as long as I don't have 238, you don't go ahead and tell me. And she said, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) 238 was White Lightning, Dan Russell, and he he bucked. But, But when you nodded your head, Nine out of ten times, he would buck in the chute and plasty on the on the front slide, and then he would rear out of the chute and jerk you down. He'd never been ridden. I'd seen him break like three guys' jaws in that first jump after hitting them on the front of the gate, and I was scared to death. I I never slept that night. Showed up the next day, and I was just pale. And uh, ended up, you know, nine out of ten times, that bull would rear out of there and go left, and that day he reared out of there and went right. And... I I was pretty solid into my hand at that time, and I ended up riding them and winning Salinas. Now that ride there, I always picks out as one of my favorite. And I think that was the only time in my life that I was scared getting on a bucking bull. How many were you that day? I think I was eighty-eight. 
I was the first guy out though, so it kind of, you know, some of my best drives in my mind were high 80 point scores, you know, and my 90 point rides, a lot of them I wouldn't put in my top five rides. Really? How many, how many times were, do you think you were 90 points or do you know? Mm, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. The Salinas buckle, that, that's one of the most iconic buckles in the, in the business. Where, where does that one sit in, in your house now? Well, I always said I would never wear another buckle other than my Canadian champion buckle, unless it was a world champion buckle. But I do wear the Salinas buckle to work. Yeah. It's the, only, it's the only buckle I've ever worn other than my first Canadian champion buckle since 99. Oh, wow. Does it, does it seem like it's been 20 years since that first Canadian title, or does it seem like it was yesterday? It doesn't. But then when I turn on the TV and I watch the NFR and all the half the guys riding are sons of the guys that I used to ride with, that kind of makes me feel old. <laughs> well, what uh, what was what ended your career? I look I look at your age and you're 41. Well, like I was saying earlier, my my son was born premature and was was pretty sick and uh, for those first few years of his life you know if he got a chest cold he was in the hospital and he's had a bunch of surgeries and he he was a very sick kid and it, and it got to you know one year i was getting on my bull in cheyenne i was climbing over the chute and all i could think about is after i get off this bull i get to go home and see my boy and i ended up falling off a little spinner and he stepped on me and broke a bunch of ribs and split my liver in half and I ended up in ICU and then I got to go home for a few months. Um, it was just, my mind wasn't in the right place and uh, I was worried more about my family than, than bull riding. And the last bull I got on, I just, I tore the ACL in my knee and I went home and I was, I was healing up, getting ready to go back at it. My wife was pregnant with our youngest son and about the time I was healthy enough to go back at it, a guy offered me a job inspecting the whole field, making 500 bucks a day, working five miles from the house. And I took the job and never got on another bull. It just kind of all, ha- it all kind of happened by accident. It just, I was had in my head that I was going to ride till I was 35. And I was 30 when I quit. It just, I don't know. It was, it was just tough worrying about my son all the time. I know there was one night I was, uh, getting on a plane to go to California and my wife called and they were admitting my son to hospital. And, you know, it's, I'm stepping on a plane to fly to the other side of the country and my son, my son was fighting for his life. And it, it just, I just ended up, I was getting hurt more than I was winning and cause my mind wasn't right. So time to hang it up. And, and even so you were, it was, you were 30 and you had already accomplished probably most everything you wanted to accomplish by that time. Well, obviously, I mean, I had, I had high hopes of winning the world in in 2001. I was I think I went to 79 PRCA rodeos in 2001, and I won first at 19 of them. Led the world for a large majority of the year, and then tore my knee up a couple of weeks before the end of the season, and and then it just snowballed from there. I just I got killed off at the NFR, and that was kind of the turning point in my career. After 2001, I never really rode as good as I did before after I wrecked my elbow. In in 2001, that was the last time before Jordan Hansen made the finals. 
just this uh, just in 2017 and 2019 that a, that a Canadian bull rider made the made the NFR and there were three of you. What let's talk about that year a little bit and just uh, having all three of you go to the go to the finals there. Is that the year that Kagan got in as an alternate because Greg was hurt? Oh, that's right. So three qualified, but only two. Only you and Kagan went. So I, well, that's two two qualified. two qualified. But one didn't get to yeah. go, but one got to take his spot. So yeah, yeah. So two. You know, there was there was a lot of bull riders in my time that to me had the talent and the potential that could have made the NFR. But to make the NFR, it, it takes a special commitment to be away from home, especially if you're from Canada. And a lot of those guys had families, and it's tough to have a family being from Canada and rodeo hard enough to make the NFR. I know some guys do it, but but it's uh, it's uh, it's a tough road. You know, it's a lot. It, it's different now. You know, with with the bull ride and stuff going on, where you can win so much money in one spot. You know, you can make it a lot easier. But I think in uh, I don't remember which year. Ninety nine. I think I won the average at the Calgary Stampede and won a little over ten thousand, maybe thirteen thousand, and that was the biggest check. Biggest check won by any cowboy in professional rodeo that year at a regular season rodeo. You know now there's a bunch of rodeos that you can win twenty, thirty thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely changed, hasn't it? You know, and, there's a lot. There's a lot you can win fifty at. A couple you can win fifty at. Now that it all counts. Yeah, and it's you know so you 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 can do it now without making the huge commitment you used to. But I used to leave home and you know I, I'd only spend. 30, 40 days at home a year, I would just stay on the road. And if you had a family or if you had a farm, it, it's tough to do. It's a tough commitment to make. Did it Did it get easier when you started going to the PBR events and, and could fly on the weekends, or, or did you stay down, down there anyways? In 2004, I rodeoed a little bit, and I, I still stayed down because really, you know, we're my, I, didn't, I lived in Water Valley with Chad, but I didn't have any family there. You know, all my family is in Houston, British Columbia. So, I mean, I didn't like Chad that much to go back and be with him. <laughs> you know, I had nothing to go back for. So, you know, if I had a couple of weeks off and I was in California, I would hang out at a friend's house in California for a couple of weeks, you know, rather than go home. And, uh, you know, it just made, made things a lot easier. And then once I was in the PBR, I still stayed in the U.S. because I would fit in rodeos around the PBRs. So, you know, I would get bored if I was at home. What did what did those rodeos look like when you're going to the PBRs more? So, you your last NFR was in '01. Was it not feasible to go to both as much, or did you not have as much success at the rodeos? Or did you have to turn out of the short rounds, or what did uh, what did that look like? Well, I I missed all of uh, 2002 when I wrecked my elbow at the nfr in 2001 and uh, i held off surgery until after the olympics because i really wanted to ride at the olympics and so we braced it and taped it for the olympics and i think that was in february and then i had surgery right after that and i was out till september october before i could get on again so in 03 at the first bull riding i went to it was in denver and uh i won twenty thousand and got me on tour and it just kind of I was entered in a bunch of rodeos that I had to turn out of because I was going to the bull ride. You know, so 03, I, I didn't, it was tough. It, 
they hated each other. They didn't, they didn't work with each other, you know, the PBRs and the rodeos. And, uh, you know, the judging, if you were a PBR guy, you didn't get marked great at the rodeos. And if you were a rodeo guy, you didn't get marked great at the PBRs. And, you know, depending on which guys were judging, and it, it was tough to do both. I want to talk about the Olympics. Was it was it worth it to wait on the surgery to get uh, to go to the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's not too many guys that can say they rode at the Olympics. Um, and that, that was pretty pretty cool moment. Um, I still got my Canadian chaps sitting here. And, you know, my whole career, I only tore one pair of chaps. And that's the pair. I, tore the, I got hung up one round, <laughs> tore the leg on one of them. And, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool to say rode in the Olympics. That was one of my highlights. What's your favorite moment from those Olympics? Like, what was it? What, where would it even be? I, I have no idea what, what that experience would be like. I, I don't even know. I just, just being there and just being a part of it, I guess. Maybe like the, the opening or, you know, the opening was, was cool. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't healthy and I didn't ride good and it was disappointing. I think I ended up fourth. Um, and, uh, the bulls I drew or bulls I, I should have rode and should have won on. So that was disappointing, but no, I, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's just pretty cool to represent your country. What did they, did you guys win money at it or was it just for the, for the, uh, for the medals or what, what was like, I guess, I guess it has to be just for the medals. Hey, cause it, none of the sports are, uh, are paid, are they? No, they did. They did have some added money. If I remember correctly, it wasn't much. Okay. But but they they did have a little, um, okay. and they paid for our rooms and everything. You know, put us up, gave us a bunch of jackets and all sorts of stuff. And I actually, I got I got one of my shirts signed by everyone there, which is pretty cool to remember it by. I lost a lot of my Olympic stuff in a friend's house, or it flooded, but still got most of it. I was looking back at some of your stats, and you actually went to the went to Hawaii and Maui. With uh, with the PBR and back in like oh five or six, what was that trip like? I bet you guys didn't have any fun on that one. That was a pretty good time because the year before, my wife and I got married in Hawaii, and uh, three days before we were flying over there, I got stepped on and broke my collarbone, and so I had like forty people come over. It was Ross Coleman, Luke Schneider, all these guys come over for the wedding and. They're all jumping off cliffs and surfing, and there I am sitting on the beach, keeping an eye on the cooler. And uh, <laughs> so I got kind of had to miss out on all the fun. And then when we went back for the bull ride, that was uh, they put us up in a real nice hotel, and any excursion we wanted to go on was free. And they they took care of us pretty good, and you know I think we were over there ten days and had to ride bulls three of them. So uh, that was that was definitely fun. And, and that one completed my bucket list of riding in all 50 states. Really? Yeah. Holy smokes. So you've ridden in all 50 states, even Alaska. When were you in Alaska? Was it that same year? Uh, you were four, I think. And that would have been one of the closer ones to home, wouldn't it have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Hyder, Alaska is only three or four hours from my parents' house where I grew up. What was it like coming from Houston to, to go and, and rodeo? It would have been even, you would have been at home even less being from there. Yeah, I, right after I graduated high school, I moved to Williams Lake, which was five and a half hours away. And I was moved there to get close to the ro- rodeos in 97. And I re- learned really fast that I wasn't much closer. So in 98, I moved over in with Chad. And uh, 
yeah, it, it's pretty tough to rodeo from BC. Even from Williams Lake, you're a lot better off in Water Valley. Yeah, yeah, I just kind of ended up in Water Valley by chance. I was over there, I was rodeoing with Daryl Palmateer, and we went to Jed's house one day. They were going to go get on some practice bulls, and uh, I didn't want to get on. I mean, in all honesty, I've been on one practice bull my whole entire life, and that wasn't until probably 06 or 07. And Daryl got stepped on and lacerated his liver and was in the hospital, and I was over in Alberta. I didn't know a soul. And uh, so I was staying at Chad's house, and his roommate was moving out. And I said, well, hey, can I move in? I didn't hardly know anybody. Heck, the first time I went to a pro rodeo, I was entered at one. <laughs> so how did you get into it if you, if you had never been to them before? Was um, it TV, I, or was it Daryl from, from before, or what would it have been? My parents team roped amateur, and uh, I always went along, rode steers. And when I was 12 or 13, we had a guy that moved into town. Um, he rode bulls and so i started my parents just went to the rodeos close to the house and uh so i started going with him and i think in 93 i ended up winning the bcra and the steer riding and then i always wanted to be a bareback rider when i grew up you know i never wanted to ride bulls but in 94 i don't know what came over me i just decided to enter a high school rodeo in the bull ride and uh first bull i got on i won the rodeo <laughs> Never look back. I was just kind of hooked. I ended up making it to the national high school finals that year and made it to the short round of the national high school finals. And I was sitting around with some kids from Texas and they're talking how they get on 20 bulls a week and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there counting on my fingers. I said, this bull I'm getting on in the short round today is the 18th bull I've ever been on in my life. Holy smokes. (laughs) And so did you ride him? No. No, he was was one of those shaggy, long-haired um highlander bulls and about 800 pounds and long horns and he turned back to the left and welded me and it didn't go good from there but i think i was the only one from bc that made the short round that year so so that was worthwhile i want to ask you about uh, a couple stories from the from the trip you said you were you uh had a couple wrote down from from before i want to ask you about that there's everybody's got some fun stories from the from the trail so i want to give you some time here to to go into a couple well i got a good one about comb bouvier oh okay my truck was at the airport in spokane and uh comb got hurt so he was gonna fly back to spokane i think we were in arizona or something he was gonna fly back to spokane get in my truck and and drive it back to canada well if you know comb he's about as innocent as they come you know he's he was a pretty innocent guy. Well, he rolls up to the border with my truck, had Capri Camper on the back. And they asked typical questions, you know, you got any uh, ammunition? You bringing anything back? Well, Comb, he just, I don't know. It's in my truck. I'm just bringing it to cross. Well, <laughs> not a good answer to give the Border Patrol. He got pulled over. I had 22 shells in the door. They lift up the the bed in the back, and there's some magazines, and it's just a max of magazines. They think he's smuggling porn back. They got a old, Uh-oh. they got a TV and and a bunch of videotapes, homemade videotapes, VCR tapes. And he sat there for four hours while they put every tape in and watched it because they thought he Comb was smuggling porn and he had ammunition. And he spent hours there. <laughs> 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 uh, but. I know uh, 
Robert Bowers and Rocky McDonald were uh, a tough crew to travel with at times. I know one year at Ellensburg, Ellensburg's over uh, Labor Day weekend and school starts the day after the rodeo. Well, we go to the bar after the short round that night. I go to sleep in my camper. I wake up the next day and I step out of my camper and my truck is parked on the 50-yard line of the high school football field. (laughs) (laughs) It's like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. I step outside and I look and there's a class running around the track. And I'm parked right at the 50-yard line. So the the next year at Ellensburg, we decided to give Robert his first beer. Robert was a pretty good traveling partner because he didn't drink. We always had a DD. Robert and beer, one beer, and he wanted to fight Sid Steiner. (laughs) Not a good idea. Well, he had me and Austin Beasley for backup on that one. We we were just sitting there seeing who was going to run the fastest to get away. He knew it wasn't going to be Robert. He couldn't hardly walk after one Bud Light. Next day, he had to get on Fear No Evil of Harvey Northcott, and he was riding with the wrong arm because he broke his arm. And how'd it go? Went better than it did when he got on him in Calgary and grabbed him by the balls. Huh. You ever see that picture of Robert <laughs> on him at Calgary? I don't think so. I mean, maybe, but I don't, I'm not remembering it right now. But he grabbed the bull by the balls? He was hung up, and his rope slid down the side, and he was on the front page of the Calgary paper, and he is stretched out. He's got one hand in the rope, and the other hand, he has the bull by the balls. Did he think he was going to slow him down, or what was his plan there? I don't know. Fear No Evil was a pretty scary bull, and uh, I don't think it helped much. But you were you were mentioning those Rocky... Like, I've, I was around Rocky a little bit when I first started going, and he he uh, he uh, was definitely one of the wilder guys on the in the bunch. That you guys must have had some uh, some fun time out fun times out there. I, I can't tell very many Rocky stories. Um, I know one time we were in Sunset Boulevard, and uh, there's a bar in in Hollywood, California, and. There's a bar on Sunset Boulevard that has a bucking machine. Well, we were having a good time there, and we were having so much fun, they asked us to leave. So we start walking down the street, and Rocky just walks over this car. It was like a, I don't know, some foreign high-dollar car and cowboy boots. He just walks from front bumper straight over the top back. Well, <laughs> about 10 seconds later, a cop rolls up, throws the lights on. It was my birthday, actually, and I was... I was full. I couldn't hardly see. And uh, Robert and Rocky just take off running. Well, Robert didn't even do anything. Well, within about 30 seconds, they're face down on the pavement, handcuffed, arms behind the back, and Rocky's going on how it's his friend's car and his friend doesn't mind, and da da da. And they're about to haul him off to jail, and this guy walks out of the bar, jumps in that car, and drives off. <laughs> the cops just turned to look. They're like, well, Got no evidence, so uncuffed him and let him go. <laughs> <laughs> no way, geez, you guys got lucky that time. Well, and what the heck well, did you guys? What did you ever do? They did, yeah. What did you guys ever do when your truck was parked in the football field? And how did it get there? Did that? Did you ever well, hear what happened? We all, we all had we all had spare keys on a truck, and we all knew where everyone kept their spare keys. So they, while I was sleeping, just got my spare key and moved my truck. I woke up in the morning, I still had my key, I just drove off. Um, it was like one time Rocky had his truck parked at a truck stop, and uh, we seen it there, so we pulled in, and we moved it five miles down the road to a different truck stop. 
and broke a bottle and left it on the ground like it was broken glass where his truck was parked. And so when Rocky came back two weeks later to get his truck, it wasn't there. He called the cops to report <laughs> to report his truck stolen before we told him. Oh no! So how did he figure it out? Oh, the guys that were with him knew, but oh, we let him we, we let him call in and uh, report it stolen. They did it to me yeah. at the Canadian Finals one time. <laughs> I the hotel we were staying at was right by the train, so I just took the train every day um, to the rodeo. Well, I show up Sunday. I had all my shirts in my truck, so I'd show up Sunday. I'd walk out to my truck and grab my clean shirt and go into the rodeo. i show up Sunday, and my truck's gone. And uh, so I didn't know I was wearing a T-shirt. The last round of the Canadian finals, and I don't even have a Western shirt to wear. And uh, so I ended up borrowing the shirt off somebody and riding. It wasn't until 8 o'clock, and I called the cops, reported it stolen. It was 8 o'clock that night. Someone told me that they moved it, and it was parked in between two 18-wheelers. There at the ground. <laughs> well, at least you found it, I suppose. I uh, I want to ask about a um, couple more things before we wrap it up here. Uh, I was looking at these at these stats too, and it, and it made me wonder uh, what was the rankest hardest to ride bull you ever got on anywhere. Shoot, anything that bucked me off was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say what what the rankest was. Um, I mean, a lot of the times that I got manhandled and drilled were on bulls that I don't even remember their names, you know. I got on mm. Little Yellow Jacket a couple times, and shoot, the one time I rode him seven seconds, and then he decided to go backwards, give me some stitches in my chin, but I never really considered him, like, rank. Like, I felt like if you found your spot on him, you could ride him all day long. Um, but there were some bulls like Scat Cat, for a little 900-pound longhorn, he felt like a ton of bricks. There's one out here from uh, from Houston in 05, uh, Wardance. They marked him 48 points. That seemed like he must have pitched for for a 48-point. Yeah, that that was disappointing. I had I had a huge lead going into the short round at Houston that year, and they had a bunch of good spinners in the short round, and then I had Wardance, and uh, he he was. He was pretty rank. I was riding pretty good at the time, and he he manhandled me pretty good to win fifty thousand um, in Houston, probably. Well, at that time, I don't know. It didn't it didn't pay that then. Um, but I think probably cost me fifteen thousand. I think I still ended up fourth, but I had a fourteen point lead over second place going into the short round, if I remember correctly. Just had to stay on, and then. The bull that they won the short round on, I drew the next week at a thousand dollar rodeo and was eighty eight on them and won the rodeo. <laughs> it won a thousand dollars. Um, now Mesquite Heat probably when I got on Mesquite Heat in St. Louis, it did not go good, and and I got a picture from that where it, he's up in the air and sun fishing, and I don't even know how you could stay on him. It. it that was probably one of the hardest to ride bulls I got on. Wacy, do you have anything you want to ask? Oh, uh, we talked a lot about Chad on the show. I was wondering if you had a, any funny Chad stories you could share. I don't think there's any Chad stories that I could share to the public. <laughs> that's fair. That's actually not even a surprise at all, really. Um, Chad was a pretty fun guy to be around. Um, Dirk, 
Dirk Diggler. Dirk Diggler. And uh, that's the reason why I can't tell many of his <laughs> stories. I know. <laughs> I had a, I know, when I was living there, I remember seeing a business card or something. Cause he used to sell, didn't Chad used to sell Christmas trees? Rob, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He saw he had a tree lot. He had a business card that said Dirk Diggler's free bush trimming for with a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas at the Christmas tree lot. I can't imagine what That's went down funny. at the Christmas tree lot. Well, there is one time me and Robert got robbed in San Antonio. What happened there? We were sleeping in the parking lot of there's a big bar there and they had plug ins all down the side of it. So we had our air conditioner plugged in there and Robert woke me up about five in the morning and said, Hey, do you have anything in your pants? I was like, What are you talking about? He's like He's like, There's some woman just in here digging in your pants. And I had lost my debit card, so I had cashed my check, and I had like $1,000 in my pants. I reached in there, and it was all gone. We look out, and this old Chevy Nova was taking off out of the parking lot. So we jumped in the truck and started chasing her, and we drove around San Antonio at 100 miles an hour for an hour and a half on the phone with the cops, telling them where we were at every turn until she finally stopped and gave us our money back and took off, and the cops never did catch up to us. Never got even close. Holy crap. You have any stories like that, Waste, where you got your money back when somebody was robbing you? No, I've, I've never been robbed. Knock on wood, thankfully. And if they, if they did get robbed nowadays, I wouldn't have much money to give them. I would, just hand, I would hand over my wallet willingly, like, hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> but, yeah, so so we uh, so when we finally got our money back, cops would just pull over, and when they come up to the window, we had, like, eight cop cars come up. Really? Come up. We're both sitting there. We're sitting there in our boxer shorts. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just pumped right up. We're like going on about this crackhead that stole our money and stuff, and <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of looked kind of funny with us sitting there racing around town in our boxer shorts, but five o'clock in the morning. So you didn't have a you didn't have a lock on your camper, or, or did you break in, or what happened? Uh, apparently we just didn't lock it. Oh wow! <laughs> but you're in the bar. Probably weren't too I worried mean, about that. Well, I mean, if I. Usually when you're inside, someone opens the door and sees you, they're not going to just continue to dig through your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I, before we finish here, I wanted to ask you about about moving to, to Louisiana and how life is different now and just compared to back home. Do you, do you get up here much now or do you miss Canada much? Or are you happy to be down there? What, what's, uh, what's that like? I mean, I, I miss it. I really hate that my boys don't get to experience winter. Um, it's last time I was up there was for Robert's wedding. I guess close to two years ago, May over two years ago. Um, it's just where my parents live. It it costs so much for it's like a thousand dollars a piece for us to fly from here to there. And uh, so my parents will come down here, <clears throat> or else I think my mom let, met us in Disney World last year, and it. It's different, but it was just kind of when I met my wife, she had a son, and it was kind of in the ground rules from day one, you know, that she shared custody with the, with the with her son's dad, and she wasn't going to leave until he graduated high school. So uh, it was I never would have dreamed I would end up here, and we're, he's done graduated high school now, and we're talking about leaving. We just don't know where we want to go. <laughs> where would be ideal? You know? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, when you when you've been everywhere and you get fun everywhere, it's hard to pick one place. I guess, eh? Um, you know, and it's 
I know I wouldn't go, you know, I where I grew up was a great place to grow up. I had a lot of great memories there, but, you know, it's the town's not what it used to be, and it's pretty much the goal of every parent in that town is to get your kids to grow up and go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful town. It's just with the logging industry going downhill, and, you know, it's just not, I think they only have one gas station that's open anymore, and it's, uh, it's not the same as what it was. I know when I go back there, it's been a few years, four or five years since I've been back there. It's just, it's not the same. It's sad, but I don't know. I, I like to living around Calgary, like in Water Valley. I really liked it there, but uh, I don't know. My wife and I talk about a lot where we go, and I just can't can't pick a place. Not yet. Well, you've got lots of time, I suppose. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, our last question would be uh, what your definition of cowboy shit is. Mm-hmm. Definition of cowboy shit. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> I guess there, being a cowboy means a lot of different things, but it's pretty much uh, you know taking care of your neighbor, doing your own thing, minding your own business, and uh, you know enjoying life. I I like it. Thanks for thanks for the time to do this today, Rob. This has been fun. Oh, thanks for having me. Ain't too often I get to talk about my old rodeo stories. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was fun. this is fun. And my kids actually d- dug up some old media guides the other day, and I'm like, "Look, you're in here." <laughs> right on. Well, and they would have, they wouldn't remember when you rode either. They'd have to watch videos back now, wouldn't they? Yeah, my, I never rode after my youngest was was born. My oldest came with me to a few. Um, he'd been on a few sheets and got him on one little yelling bowl a couple of years ago. But he'd be the perfect little size for a bull rider, but. Um, yeah, they don't remember me getting on. You got anything else, Wes? Oh, no, no, I appreciate you talking with us. You're one of my heroes growing up, so it's cool to hear from you. I got to say one more thing, though. When I was in school, I think I was like grade four or five or something. I had to, I had to like play you in a play. I was Rob Bell asking Santa for something for Christmas. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, because <laughs> you were the Canadian champ, so I had to be like the, this, I had to be Rob Bell in a play at school, so. You were a hero of mine growing up, too, so this has been fun. Oh, well, thanks. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did Santa bring you what you wanted? Uh, I think so. Well, he brought you what you wanted, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so it worked out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. This was fun. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks again to Rob Bell for being on the show today. Coming to us from Stonewall, Louisiana, in his home. Hope Rob stays healthy and safe at home, and uh, as long as everyone else out there. Um, looking back at some of the uh, greatest moments in, in the PBR history, we look at that rider Rob's. Uh, he was ninety three and a half in in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, back in 03 to win that event. Uh, ninety three and a half is one of the top scores in the last, you know. That was in 03. It's the the scores I would say were kind of higher back then, weren't they, Wace? What do you think? Like I think were, so too. Yeah. In I a think lot of so. ways. Like they had a hundred point ride and in, in I think it was nineteen eighty or so when Wade Wrestley rode Wolf Wolfman. Uh there were some ninety sevens, a couple of like big scores like that. 
Well, you look like a good example is like you look at even some of the big high mark rides on Promise Land. That bull, like you put him in today's pen, like there's a lot of bulls that are better than he was, right? In my opinion, anyways. I mean, I guess the some of it changes a bit too, where you have, uh, you have stuff where if it's the best bull at the time, how do you uh, compare it, right? Or even like, well, and that's just, and that's just that's just it. Like it was a di- completely different time, and it's like. Yeah, how do you how do you compare it at, at that different time? Even like you talk about comparing Gretzky to McDavid, it's like, well, it's a completely different. Or even Gretzky to Ovechkin when it comes to greatest goal scorers and whatever, it's like completely different eras, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just you look at the, at the at the league, the league average save percentage when Gretzky scored all of his goals and points was below nine hundred, and now the league average is like nine ten or nine twelve usually in, in the, the years that Ovechkin's been in the league. So you man, the, that right? The goalies, like I was watching some of the older, like I think it was the ninety three. I watched some a couple parts of games from 93 with Kelly Rudy and, and Patrick Waugh yeah. in the, I think it was the Campbell conference final. So the, like Montreal was playing LA and LA, uh, that was for the cup. So Montreal won the cup in 93, but Montreal or LA beat Toronto out to go to the final. So back then it could have been a Toronto Montreal cup final. That seems wild. Yeah. That was yeah, the way it was set up though. Then, hey, yeah. Well, and even even look at like for goalie, look at the equipment. Like, look at a picture from like Mike Vernon and Grant Fear oh, back yeah. in those days. And you compare it to the boys now. You have like guys who are six foot eight, six foot nine, like Ben Bishop wearing those that big gear. Like, it's crazy. There so, is less just, places like, for it, the puck to go in. Yeah, and, and like the positions came so far too. Like, it's so technical, and the guys are like so. It's more of a special, more specialization than it was back then too, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just like how do you how do you even compare even like when it comes to bull riding, how do you even compare the bulls from that era to this era? Yeah, it's challenging. It's hard, thing isn't to do. It? it's hard thing to do. Yeah. But so today I had an idea that a video came up. This PBR shared from uh, what year? Let me look at this thing here. It was 1999, October 28th, round two of the PBR World Finals in Vegas, and it was the night of uh, the 90s. So there was eight rides that were 90 points or more. Chris Shivers was 96 on Trick or Treat. Terry Don West was 96 on Promise Land. Timer with 95 and a half on Red Wolf. The bull scores on all those were 47. Jared Nunemaker rode panel Handle Slim for 94. Jim Sharp rode Fig Jam, or Jim Jam, sorry, for 94. Cody Hart rode Copenhagen Zandy for 92 and a half. Just McBride was 91 on Nitro. And Mike White was 91 on Scat Cat. And we look at some of these bulls, and a lot of them are top 100 bulls all time, so they are some of the top bulls in the history of, of the PBR, uh, promised land, the average ride score, according to pro bull stats, 92.72 is the average score. And he was ridden 34 That's times in 84 outs. And the average score was 92, like almost That's 93, crazy. four times yeah. the PBR world finals. So these are some of the best bulls ever. Red Wolf, uh, 19 rides and 45 outs. His average score is 91.82, three time world finals, uh, hall of fame, Hall of Fame bull on Pro Bowl stats, Panhandle Slim. His average ride score is almost 90 points. Like, it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive here. Jim Jam, another bull. It's uh, nuts what these scores were. Scat Cat's even another one here. So, looking at these numbers though, we wanted to look back at this at this ride. So we're gonna push uh, play on it. And and for those of you that are listening, uh, if you're on the road, you might have to catch back up with us here in a little bit. But we're going to share this video on the Facebook page and walk back through all these rides. It's four minutes of bull rides starting right now. 
Okay, yeah, so Mike White on Scat Cat. So the bull kind of goes around to the left. Pretty solid ride. They marked him 91. Really a, Pardon? Really moving ahead. Really moving ahead. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the replay here now. But he's, like, that looks like about an 85 at some, a lot of places now. Like, if you compare it to yeah. a score, you're like a 20. So we're going back to Mike. But even, even, even like, even like degree of difficulty wise, like. He's hard, but he's, sure kind, he was, he's kind of moving away, but there's not a yeah, lot of kick nice. there. There's a, there's a good amount of spin. Uh, the intensity mm -hmm. is probably, you could say, you could say your intensity would be like a, f I mean, you could say a five technically. So you got five there. The the buck would be only a four in my opinion. He wasn't kicking up that high. There wasn't a lot of air time. I mean, is the best you're gonna. Five you're scoring it Pardon? You got five sets of five. If you're if you're going on what the what the PBR judges are going off of now, there's five different categories that are all worth five points. It's like, I think it's kick yeah, is okay, five, yeah. spin. So you got to make up your twenty five points that way, right? So kick is five, spin is five, intensity is five, um, and then what would else would there be? Uh, difficulty maybe I forget what the five are, but on that ride like that 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 looks like maybe a maybe a twenty one and a half point bull at best and might yeah, go good for a twenty two. Kind of cuts out of it. Really end. No, he's, he's not, and then goes out of it at the end. So to give that yeah. a ninety one, you had to be a, a forty six point ride on a forty five point bull. <clears> it seems I like would a bit say of that's a like a pretty, that's a pretty good ride. Like that's a that'd be a definite like a. I think maybe like a, maybe you say, I don't know, today I would say like a 20, 22 on a 21 and a half at best for 86. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, right? So you're, little, you're five points high off the bat. And then if that's your uh, benchmark, if that's one of your first rides, then you got to go only up from here. So then you go to Jim Jam for sure. with Jim Sharp for a 94. And this bull is just going to the left, goes around or goes around to the right off the bat and then comes back around to the left and still one of the greatest bulls, but doesn't have a lot of uh kick you know not super high i know it was at the time it was one of the rankest uh it was they called it one of the rankest nights of bull riding ever uh and they rode a lot of the top bulls all in the same night but i mean like this is another ride what, do, what would you put this one at if you're if you're judging it oh man i'd be in like that 86 87 point range again like really like if you look at the bull he's spinning fast and he changes direction which is fairly difficult in its own right but he really isn't kicking high um, yeah, I don't, he looked pretty, like Jim Sharp made him look easy too, right? This, this next one is, uh, Jaron Nunemaker on Panhandle Slim. Bull goes away from his hand around to the left. And another one where you could be like, if you're judging it today, you're saying maybe, maybe the best ride so far with 88 or 89. I would say, I would agree with that. He's this bull, cause he's like, he's spinning a lot faster and he's moving ahead at the same time. So he's like, his degree of difficulty is like exponentially, or not exponentially, but much higher than the other two, right? Yeah. A point higher at so best far. maybe, right? Then you go yeah, to yeah, then you go to McBride on Nitro. He's ninety one. This is a this seems like a the new leader in my point my opinion. But the bull kind of gives up up at the end too. Where mm -hmm. I don't know. It, that that's Again, still that's, that looks like I a good ride. Put, that looks like a bit of a better one. But I still put it under ninety though, like eighty eight maybe. 80, you think so? I think so. Just because like the yeah I don't know like you said the bull kind of peters out at the end there. But let's go back to the timing so. If we're going back a little bit here to when the bride starts, that might be after the whistle. So it starts at 226, 225 even to give it a bit more. Away from his hand, pulls, that bull looks really hard. Like, I think that's the best one now. We're at maybe 89 or 90. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I would agree. The bull kind of goes out at the end. You know, you could say you could say that one be a 23 on a 22. 
mm-hmm. 22 and a half for 90, 91. I think that one's the most accurate so far. I could be wrong, but shivers yeah. on trick or treat. This one looks really rank around to the left off the bat, but the bull kind of goes out, goes two around, you know, makes two jumps, goes around to the right away from Chris's hand. It looks rank and it's Chris. And then it looks like his foot got stuck at the end there and a rope a little <laughs> bit, but yeah. Well, he and he like 96. on the rider and things. He sure made, made he sure made it look really rank, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if that and if that bull stays in it at the beginning around the left and keeps bucking like that, like geez, that could be a, like a big time score. But but I think the way yeah. you're, that's that, that's a ninety six point bull ride in the PBR. Then you got Terry Don West here coming up on Promised Land with another ninety six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough, man. It's I even, like I would say that Justin McBride's ride. This like, looks like look a whole thing. This looks like a Cochise looking ride now with Terry Don West on Promised Land. And we're only seeing the video, and it's, we're not there. We're not in the moment. We don't know who's That's judging. That's the hard it. part with video, yeah. You know, right? Like, it probably looked a lot ranker, if, especially if the judges were on the back of the shoots. It would have looked harder because uh, you w- wouldn't get the same angle on the on the buck, on what the actual kick looks like. I would say, though, that this that, that ride on Promised Land for Terry Don West is easily the best ride so far. What would you like, mark like it? you said? Like a good, a good, a good comparison would be Cochise. So I like have him in like that ninety-two or three, like right? 80, 80, yeah, between like eighty-nine to ninety-two would be a good range for that ride. But that's easily the best ride out of the, out of the bunch so far. What about Ty Murray on say. Red Wolf with, for ninety-five and a half? Um, I'd still say that he should be second place to Terry Don West for sure. That in our in our like in our like rating of them, like he dominated the bull for sure. But the bull like kind of just like jumped straight up, right? Like, he didn't really. Yeah, I don't think they really kick out through it. And the first three, like the first three jumps, were super rank. Mm-hmm. When he had when he had him pulled down, when he had him pulled down over the front, and he like really drove his foot back down and sat back up and rode him. But after that, the bull kind of quit kicking and just kind of flattens out a bit at the end, hey? Yeah, it flattens out, and I mean, for a guy I think hand a bull like that, it's pretty easy. It was rank off the bat, but I think for McBride on that on that other uh, nitro earlier in the round, I think that was almost a better ride if you really go back to it yeah in my opinion they'd be equals those equals? are the same kind of ride yeah the bull like it's the same kind of track to the bull where the bull like starts out really hard really bucking and kicking and then he kind of just peters off and it's but that drive like that just easy the, right that one with mcbride didn't peter off at the end though that bull was strong the whole way through yeah if you go back to just it from what i just from what i just from what i've seen, seen on it on the mcbride ride mcbride ride was totally yeah. that bull didn't peter off as much as red wolf red wolf petered off at the end if you go back to it. Yeah. I don't know. It's up for discussion. I guess that's just my opinion. That's what we're doing. We're, we're discussing it. Yeah. I'd, I'd say there, I'd say it's pretty similar just from what I can see. Like the last, I don't know, two, three seconds, the bull really, he's just kind of the same as Red Wolf was really. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Red Wolf maybe the... petered off a bit. Red Wolf kind of probably maybe petered off a bit sooner, but it wasn't much. Yeah. Sooner. I think, I think the McBride ride was stronger through the whole thing, but this, Ty Murray one looks ranker. Plus, it's Ty Murray in 1999 at the height of his career. Yeah, and Red Wolf. And then, like, at the height I, I think it's where, the, where the discrepancy too. in the score would be for me is your rider score, right? We're talking four and a half points, so that's like making at, I, at 95 like, just and off, a just half. Off of, just off, just off of our like, not off of the judging from then, like just the judging, like what we're doing right now, like in our like the way we're seeing it, and what we're how we're ranking them. They marked Ty like, 48 and a half on that bull on a 47 point bull, comparatively. Comparatively, uh, I'll look back at it. If you go back to what they marked uh, Nitro, they marked him forty-four and a half, so forty-four point five. So it, they marked uh, at ninety-one. That'd be forty, forty-six point five. They mark 
they marked the bull two and a half points more and they marked the rider two points more. See, I would have the bull scores probably the same. Similar. And so then, then I'd would... have a Timeria. I'd have Timeria point higher on the ride than um, McBride. A point higher, yeah. But but I I mean, time made it look harder, but he didn't spur him or nothing. And neither did. did. He spurred well, he, he spurred him at the loss. end. Okay. But he was in worse shape off the bat too. So you gotta I think you gotta knock him a bit on that too. He might have finished in control, but the first jump he was almost bucked off. Where McBride never never hardly even wavered at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair, man. Part of the judging part of the fun. But here the, one of the last ones, Cody Hart on Copenhagen Zandy. This one at ninety two and a half, I think, is a little bit high. Finished off strong with a couple spur licks. I say that's a better ride than, or a better out like a trip and a ride than uh, Mike White on Scat Cat. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't have marked him ninety two, but I mean, should be a point or two higher than what um, Cody Hart or uh, Mike White, Mike was. White was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting though. So, I mean, would you still have uh, Shivers and Terry Don West at ninety six? Like in today's, no. like if we were marking this today, I mean, that's we weren't there. I've been doing throughout the whole thing. Like I would have had Shivers would have been like maybe eighty seven or eighty eight. You think then, th- that that low, hey? Well, just looking and like just like you still like you look at rides nowadays. If we're going off today's things, you look at like when. Jess Lockwood rode chisels and chisels and heartbreak kid and all those stuff. Like those bulls pitched the whole out for 94 like just dom- and then just dominated the whole time. Or like when stormy wing rode bruiser, like bruiser pitched the whole eight seconds and stormy, like had every, had every like counter move for the whole eight seconds. Right. That's true. I'm not I'm saying like, these riders were out of sh- I don't know where these, not where these riders were out of shape or anything, but just like the bull, like throughout the whole eight seconds was consistent. Whereas were these bulls, like, like, well, that one that Chris Shivers was on, like, he, he made a really strong round the first couple seconds, and then he jumped out of it and then was kind of just good, like, wasn't near as strong as when he made a back round away from his hand, right? I think the bruiser ride, like, if that one at 95 and a quarter, if you're watching these side by side, this is going to be tough with the podcast stuff, but it's interesting, I think, when you look at, when you look back at these rides and compare things. Mm-hmm. I think the bruiser ride looks ranker because the bull gets higher in the air and he kicks up higher where some of these bulls in the, in the, uh, in the video, they don't kick up quite as high and get the airtime with compared to the bruiser ride. Or if you go back to I mean. like, to like, uh, Mooney on, uh, on Bushwhacker or some of those bulls, there's a little more airtime, which I think adds to some of the, yeah, showmanship. I yeah, well, absolutely, too, absolutely right? agree. Get difficulty too, right? Like you're, like look at okay. So then look at Red Wolf with Ty Murray. Like if if Red Wolf would have pitched at the beginning to the whole eight seconds, like he did, maybe maybe would have bucked Ty off, or maybe it'd be a different story. Yeah, maybe. But then you look, or even when when who was it Barbosa who was ninety five and whatever on oh yeah at the final that was a year? rank like, that bull ride. That, yeah, man, like that bull did that bull didn't waver till at all throughout the eight seconds. Mm-hmm. He pitched the whole the whole out. Whereas I mean, you see on some of looking at and, and it's and looking at some of these videos now. I'm watching. I'm watching Mooney on Percolator against Shivers on Trick or Treat, and the and Mooney on Percolator. There's a lot more airtime than there is with the uh, with the mm. with the Trick or Treat ride. Jeez, well, even even Mooney on Pearl Harbor in Sioux Falls. 
Yeah. Or when, when JB wrote Bones and Bulls like that, even like that were Holy more like shit. power generation, right? The Sioux Falls the ride is ones. rank. Like that should be like 98 if some of these rides are yeah. 96. Yeah. Or if even, or even that, that route when Sage, when Sage rolled Pearl, Pearl Harbor in North Dakota, like that was a rank, rank four ride. I don't remember that one personally, but um, yeah. Holy or even crap. like, um, even when JB rode Wipeout at the, when he, the way he won the world the last round, he's 93 or whatever, like that was that was a good ride. Too. was traveling yeah. out there, kicking, spinning hard. Like, it just but the only like really good comparable bulls out of the if you compare bulls like a bull from the video to bulls, they would be like you said, Cochise and Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they Pearl look kind of similar, uh, just the way they're bucking and whatnot. Pearl Cochise, Cochise, and uh, Cochise and and Promise Land and Promise Land. Yeah, kind of identical. Yeah, like those are, those two would be the only comparables I'd say because like I would say yeah, Cochise is pretty similar tracks to what um there's probably some more similar ones if you go look back For and sure. find some of the right and I mean, ones and, I mean, and stuff too and i mean but... you go back on maybe you go back on some of the bulls like trick-or-treat and and red wolf and they have those really good outs where they buck the whole way through but i don't i don't know what did the guys Stuff's ride them that those times yeah well and then and then too it's, it's like story. We t- like you mentioned earlier where it's like video it's hard with video like i've been in some places where i've been at, a, at events and watched rides where or even even rides a person's made themselves like where it feels and looks way ranker in person than it does on the video right mm-hmm. what so, about mooney on bushwhacker those, what are your thoughts there i don't think it was 95, 95 and a quarter there's one of those things where it was like the reputation of the bull the reputation of the rider kind of played into it and that's that's kind of like shitty of me to say but that's kind of like uh i don't know if it's shitty i think it's just an opinion we we can talk about these things it's yeah. not like it's yeah. not like we can't uh we can't talk mm-hmm. about it right uh, and I mean, like, 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 have an opinion. J- JB like slayed, like slayed the dragon and like rode this bull. It had this super long. It was a big streak deal. And, yeah, yeah, it was a huge deal. So it was like, warranted. Like, it, I just was it ninety five point. Like, so then K here's like put the videos of that of him and then Barbosa on chiseled side by side. Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, it's just like it's it's just one of those things where I think a lot had to do with the matchup and the intensity of it. And then, and then, and then, and the fact that, that like JB was on his march to his next world title <clears throat> and he was riding so good, but was it 95 points? In my opinion, probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you think, you think if, you think if that had been a guy like, like a guy maybe who was like 35th in the world or kind of was an event alternate and rode that bull, do you think he would have like rode that trip of Bushwhacker or was he going to be 95? I think this, this Barbosa ride is one of the rankest in the p- history of the PBR. They, oh, they marked yeah, him at, far, man. they marked him at, I forget what they marked him at here now. Oh, 95 and three quarters. Yeah. So they were yeah. three quarters of a point off the highest score ever recorded in the PBR. But I think this one yeah. might be, and I might be I one mean, of the best ever. Wrong, it wouldn't have been, would it have been wrong if it, if it ended up being the highest scored ride in history? I don't think, I don't so. think so. I don't think they could have marked yeah, him. Well. Like that's about as close to a perfect ride as you can make it. They would have had to go, the bull would have had to go the other way. But you you yeah, look at this sure. ride, this ride on Chisel compared to Shivers on Trick or Treat, and it's not even in the same ballpark. Man. No, not even close. Yeah, no, for sure. So, or even like when Jester, when he was he ninety four and a half the first time he rode Heartbreak um, Kid. Heartbreak Kid. I go yeah. back and look at it. Uh, or even that that when he was ninety two or ever on Biker Bob at the finals. Like man, I've never seen a guy spur a bull like that in my uh, life. Heartbreak. Everybody's gonna have to go back and watch. Uh, watching these rides we're gonna have to share like make a post and share a bunch of these these big rides mm-hmm. so lockwood on heartbreak kid he's going to the left dang 
Man, I don't know. This is <laughs> we've already gone way too long on this. But it's uh, hard. It, it's it's a good it's a good com- topic of conversation though. Like, I can almost do a whole episode on it, right? Yeah, yeah, really, and talk to these guys about these these big rides and whatnot. Yeah. But we better wrap it up for this week and uh, and call it call it good. But what a yeah, sounds good, brother. What a uh, yeah. good debate. Let us know your thoughts yeah, on some of sure, these top rides and where where things rank. And I got another one I, I want to put in there is uh, that I remember back from a while ago was uh, I think Vol- Justin Volts on Outlaw. I think that one was a bit controversial at the time, and I don't I don't know where the footage is right now or what it mm-hmm. looks like. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. there might be something in Canada. One of those one one of those rides. Otherwise, well, even a, a thing we could so we could another like another point that out was like last year at Calgary Stampede. They chase outlaw rode Brahma Boots Chrome and the the regular pools for eighty seven or eighty six. Oh yeah, and then Sage rides them in the exact same track. And he's four or five points higher. So it's just like where do you where do you like? Yeah, where does you know it? What I mean, like it just mm-hmm. yeah, it's just one of those. It's just one of those deals where and I mean, it's, was it Chrome or was it Night Moves? Been, might have been Night Moves. No, it might have been Chrome. Night was one of those two bowls. Either way, it was like the same bowl that got I'd, five points better in five three points days. different in three days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting okay well we better yeah. wrap this up Wes. we'll uh talk again soon we'll get the next show on the go here and uh we'll go from there yeah, thanks for good, man. thanks for listening this has been episode number 62 of cowboy shit with ted and uh wacy the tiktok <laughs> cowboy anderson thanks for listening Daddy, don't start till i walk in don't stop me